Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Photographers Keeping It Real podcast. On this episode, I welcome the wonderful Zalmi Berkovic. Um, I've been a massive fan of Zalmi's work for a long time. Um, if you haven't seen it or you haven't heard of him, go and check out all the links in the show notes. Um, he also has a fantastic course on composition. So, you know, focusing on documentary photographers primarily, but yeah, the course is video based online. So you could go buy it now and watch it straight away. And it's, yeah, just lots and lots of uh, information about composition. And there's also a few free lessons you can just watch to get a, an idea a bit of, a, of what the course is about. So yeah, I urge everyone just to go and watch those. And um, if you're interested, then um, buy the course. But yeah, you can head over to oncomposition.com to, uh, to check that out or check all the links below. But it was a real pleasure to speak to Zalmi because I've been a fan of his work for a long time. Um, and yeah, I was just pleased when he agreed to come on the podcast and uh, so yeah, we talk a lot about staying present during personal time. So balancing kind of living in the moment uh, versus capturing it. We talk about um, showing personal work on your website. Like does that benefit getting other paid work or not? Over delivering at weddings. So knowing what's important and, you know, should we just be delivering more to couples or is a, a more tighter curated gallery actually better? Uh, we talk about Jewish weddings. We talk about shooting with a fisheye lens as well, which for family and for weddings. Um, we talk about editing to look like film and having that sort of filmic look to your work. Of course, we talk a lot about the composition workshop. We talk about comparing composition to grammar, which I thought was really, really interesting. We talk about documentary wedding photography, uh, the US market versus the UK market. Uh, we do touch on Fuji cameras as well um, and also depth of field and how Zami thinks there might be a, a difference to the style of the way that documentary shooters in the UK photograph versus the US. Um, so yeah, just really interesting. I hope you enjoy it. Um, as always, any questions, just, just leave, let me know. Drop me a DM, drop me a message. If there's anything, anyone you'd love to hear on the podcast, just recommend some people. And uh, yeah, I really hope you enjoy this episode. And massive thanks again to Zalmi. For now, let's jump straight into the show. Photographers keeping it real. Photographers keeping it real. This is our podcast. We've never done this before. We practice just a little bit. So we apologize if it's a bit shit and not so good. Oh yeah. Photographers keeping it real. We keep it real cause we like the way that it feels. Zalmi, welcome to the podcast. Um, I was surprised to learn you didn't even really own a camera until sort of well into your 20s. Is that right? That is correct. I used to think that was recent, but it's not recent anymore because I'm getting old. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wasn't into photography at all as a kid or teenager or even young adult. So you just had no like, you just you hadn't come across it, just didn't really have the interest there. And then it came later on or what? I don't know. I just, I didn't think about it then as like, it's not like I was thinking at that time, why am I not interested in photography? <laughs> you know, sure. it's just, um, I had like a camera, like a point and shoot camera for like a year, you know, those Olympus stylus, you know, the clamshell that opens up. 
I had one for like, I think when I was 15 or 16 and then it got stolen. You know, our I, yeah, I left it on the roof and someone <laughs> took it. Yeah, I just wasn't interested. I was too busy living, I guess. And I was, it was, I mean, even then the camera was to take pictures of like just whatever's happening. Like I wasn't, I definitely wasn't into any sort of artistic aspect. So it was just my friends had cameras, so I didn't need one. Too busy living. Yeah. I mean, it's something, I guess. something to be said for that as well, to be fair, isn't there? Which is, is kind of nice. In a way, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a lot to talk about a healthy balance between, you know, that idea that if we don't capture something, then we're not going to remember it. And then losing your life to always trying to capture everything versus just saying, I always want to be in a moment. I never need a camera. Like, you know, there's yeah, but then I was definitely heavily leaning in the direction of I just don't care. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Even now, like, obviously, I, obviously, you know, heavily into photography, but when I go out with the kids and stuff and I, you know, I'm conscious of not, you know, I don't need 500 photos from, you know, one trip to the park with the kids. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to be conscious of like, I want a few memories from it, but I want to, you know, I want to play with my kids. I want to be running around with them. I want them to, you know, to remember that and to have that moment rather than me just constantly taking photos. So it's kind of that, yeah, I try and limit. How do you... Do you have like rules for yourself or are you just like overall? Not really, but um, someone I spoke to recently was saying they, they'll sometimes just take a film camera when they go out with the family. So they're obviously limited by yeah, default. Yeah, that's what I used to do. Which is, it was great. I just one, one film, one roll, you know, now with, even with my iPhone, it's just because you can always get a better shot, you know, like but even if you only want five shots, those five shots might come after, you know, a hundred shots and it's, Okay, it's only down the camera now because I don't have any hard and fast rules, and I'd probably break them anyways. <laughs> my my only really hard and fast rule is that the first time I do something with the kids, I don't take a video of it or something like that, because like at least that I'll be fully present for. No matter how how much fun it is, I like just you know that first time. I don't want my kids to remember me having like my iPhone out in like video record mode. Besides for that, still struggle. Yeah, and that's but. the thing. I could obviously take like, yeah, any camera and just say, oh, then you take, you know, 26 shots or something. But yeah, just never going to really happen is it? I'll just break the rules anyway. So it's kind of a, a moot point. Maybe I'll, I'll like set a battery to like 5%, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and go with that. Yeah, that's quite, yeah, interesting. No, cool. Well, you, so on your website, so you have quite a lot of sort of family stuff and other projects on there as well as your wedding work. Is that still like a big part of what you do now is that kind of you still which one the wedding or the family yeah like both are you what's your kind of split split with personal work to kind of wedding work to other projects like what's well i call them projects they're not actually projects they're just you know uh what's it called post hack uh like after the fact like gatherings of photos that might reflect a specific thing or a specific time or a specific place um and that I'm still, I mean, most of my photography is for myself. I mean, most of the times I'm with a camera, it's with my family or if I'm out and about. And uh, I really like that aspect of photography. That's always going to be there. That's, I'm not sure if I'm always going to have to be posting those. Uh, I guess that depends on how much I need the photography for money, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, and the weddings, yeah, the weddings will stick around for a bit. I am, I'm slowly taking less weddings, but I'm not easing out yet. So both are, the personal work will be there for a very long time, I'm sure. And I mean, the, the continuing personal work, uh, the wedding we'll see. And I mean, on 
honestly, the personal work is, is a great way to practice wedding stuff. Like it's, you can't really practice at weddings. I mean, maybe a little bit, but you know, using your clients as guinea pigs or like trying new things or just getting better, it's not easy. And maybe it's not entirely ethical unless you completely tell them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Scrap, yeah. it's tricky. No, it's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. Like it's, yeah, it's interesting because you kind of want to be experimenting a bit sometimes, but yeah, there's a limit to kind of what you can do when it's a paid job because it's like, well, we've hired you for this style. You just do, you know, right. shoot what you shoot. Right. That's what we like... want. You know, we don't really want you to do anything crazy unless that's just yeah, like, wait, you don't want everything in black and white and blurry? Like, <laughs> why not? Well, some, I mean, some people do, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah, but, but not 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 expecting it. Yeah. That's a, kind of a shocker. Sure. Do you find the fact like you're cause obviously, you know, I take a lot of photos of the kids and stuff and like, um, but yeah, I don't really have anything on my website apart from like a couple on my about page. But do you find sharing more of that work leads to other like two paid work? Do you find people were finding you through that and then booking you for say weddings or because the works, you know, you're shooting a similar style with your family as you do to a wedding day that it fits nicely to, to sort of showcase all of that? Honestly, I used to. I, not so much anymore. Like no one asked specifically telling me that at least. I haven't thought about that actually in a while. But yeah, I did sort of get a name for myself in some regards when from sharing my family photos. Um, and it helped that I have a fairly large family. I have six kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're Jewish and visibly so. So it's just different from what you'd normally see. And that's, I feel bad like using that, but hey, whatever, <laughs> you know. So that definitely... Um, but even that was more for other photographers than actual clients. I don't know if it helps. I don't think it hurts, and I like sharing it. So, good yeah. question. No, it's no, it's cool. It's interesting. I just because I, you know, I'll share some stuff on like Instagram things like that. But I don't, you know, more of it's just like I think I have it as more as like showing a bit of my life, you know, away from weddings or that side of it, and like we do mm-hmm. it, do it in about page rather than kind of showing it as like here's what I do you know, when right. I'm out, out and about with the family or that, you know, that kind of thing. So it's an interesting, I don't know why I don't share well, more. Well, there is like a, like a, not a theme, but maybe an ethos or something. Like the way I shoot my family is the way I photograph weddings. I mean, they're very similar. Um, And because it's not, it's, it's a way I, not that I, I think photography should be done that way, but the way I think my photography should be. And like, Maybe just to see that it's not just like I'm doing this for weddings because, you know, I think that this is what people want or I think this is where the money is or whatever it is. Um, it's just this is a way of seeing or of maybe not as much as seeing, but this is a way of, you know, interacting with photography. Like I'm quite documentary, uh, obviously, from people listening or for you, it's like very obvious what that is, you know. But still, for I think a large number of people, it's it's a novelty, um, both for wedding photography, but definitely for family photography. You know, a lot of people take that they are, in a way, I mean, maybe now with iPhones, people are more prone to like be more, more documentary. No, I get it. I think it's great. Uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. I think you're like you're saying like this is what I how I believe, or for, you know, for you, this is how I believe. I you know I should be documenting things, and that's. Yeah, like this is like the purpose of photography. And for me, like the purpose is to document. That's like my main goal when I'm taking photos. Not not only goal, but definitely main goal. I love it. Yeah, I love, I mean, I love looking through everything. I've been 
obviously doing a deep dive the last couple of days and um yeah so many just yeah just i don't know just the feel to the shots the you know it's very hard it's not a question really here because um it's not something you can probably answer just easily but yeah just i don't know what it is but there's like you say just that feel of the joy almost of the moments or the fam you know whether it's like you say the family or weddings it just kind of blends in seamlessly to me so i love there's um photo of a young girl i don't know if it's your daughter or someone random but in the camp days thing where she's on the water slide just sliding down and water's everywhere and yeah i just i love that shot anyway really good yeah i know what you're talking about not my daughter but no yeah. cool i think i heard you say somewhere before that you're obviously when you're photographing your own family you you know what's important to them i guess right you know your family and the people that are in there and obviously you you know um you kind of can understand that whereas at a wedding you're less obviously you know the people less right some you might know your couples more than others and stuff, but it's it's a different dynamic. And you've said somewhere that you'll over deliver a lot on weddings purely because you don't know what's important to them in the same way as you might with like your own family. Is that still true now? I think this was a couple of years ago. Yeah. So is that still the case? No, it's still true. It's still true. I definitely deliver too. Uh, I don't want to say too much, um, but a lot. And it's, I mean, there there is like, that you know you as a photographer you have a vision you know you have a an eye and you want to deliver like a tightly called i don't want to say mastered piece but cohesive groupings of images that um and i i to some level i i believe in that on the other hand again like i've seen photographers that get like really annoyed at their clients for picking the wrong images for the uh for the album or for not appreciating their you know the ones that they think are glorious um but you know the truth is like no matter how great the composition and light is if the people in it aren't as important as this poorly lit lesser composed image it's just one is more meaningful and in that sense it's just a better photo because like good and bad is not i mean if we're talking about documentary good means it's it, it does the job like it's doing the documenting it's telling the important story and as a photographer, we, we might think that involves, you know, certain aspects that we consider good. But, you know, push comes to shove. It's like, does this story mean anything to the client? Are the people meaningful? So, yeah, I still I don't know exactly what. Um, and maybe I should, you know, maybe I should get to know the clients better. Or And I have a very bad memory for faces also. Like if I had, a, you know, I would know exactly who the family and the friends are. And then I could just like whatever the rest. But I don't. I'm all over the place with faces. So, yeah, deliver yeah. a lot. Oh, it's, it's cool. It's a good, yeah, like I say, it's interesting because a lot of people do say, yeah, they'll, they'll kind of cull tightly and, and try and make you say that they don't want to have too much duplication or too much, but you're right. Like a lot of times we, we're kind of guessing a little bit as to what we think the the client will love as a photo and what they think will be good rather than, you know, it's not like we're giving them all the images to go through and they're telling us what they think is good. It's like, you know, we're kind of guessing a little bit, aren't we, by what we decide oh, to put together in a gallery. So it's, an interesting approach i hadn't really heard it before but it does make a lot of sense you obviously shoot so you shoot a lot of jewish weddings right you shoot is it solely jewish weddings is that just um well i so my sabbath is saturday meaning i won't shoot on saturday which right. kind of closes off the vast majority of the wedding world so here and there i'll shoot a sunday wedding um but it's i don't advertise at all in, outside of the i don't know i don't really advertise period I, I get you know requests here and there and uh once in a while i could say yes but usually it's just, it's very rare, unfortunately. I would love to, it would just be easier in the sense of like, you know, more numbers, I could choose closer weddings or, uh, and honestly, like, usually non-Jewish weddings are easier. Um, 
usually less people, often prettier because it's less people. So you could like these Jewish weddings I'm shooting are like four or five hundred people off it. You know, it's just this big Brooklyn hall that's not gloriously lit or anything. Um, and it's a beautiful wedding, but you don't have, you know, that that the natural helpings of nature or of light or of nicely set mason jar, you know, outdoor, whatever. Yeah, I guess you've got um, like 500 guests. You kind of have to go with a venue that can fit that many regardless yeah. sort of thing. It's, it's kind of limits it maybe slightly. Certainly over here. Yeah. Would. yeah, they always seem, I mean, I've never photographed a Jewish wedding, but the ones are sort of friends who've shot them or stuff and they're, you know, pretty much all like ones here in the UK, but there always seems to be a lot going on. Like there's lots of energy and lots of like, I don't know if it's traditions or what you'd call it, but yeah, just they always, they look amazing from the outside at least. Yeah, they are. They're, they're definitely, you know. yeah, they're okay. Honestly, in, in certain ways they are easier to photograph just because there's a lot going on. So there is like, sometimes the weddings you're like searching for like something, you know, <laughs> I never really have that problem by uh, Jewish, by these big Jewish weddings. It's more work in the sense of running around and, um, and taking more photos because there's more people, but it's definitely easier in, in some respects probably many yeah i guess it's what you're i get you i guess you get used to that as well don't you whereas like you say we're used to i don't know i'm used to like a, like a standard british wedding here i guess the way the day runs is always going to be quite similar and the numbers are similar and and that kind of thing so i guess you're just getting the stride yeah of like, it's definitely that's it's, what you do they're definitely very similar to each other mm. so you kind of get used to the flow and which is good and bad you know you could get caught in a rut and like not be as all seeing you know, you kind of sometimes when you expect what to see too much, you kind of miss what's there. I mean, that's a challenge for all wedding photographers. That's the thing. Sometimes it's yeah, it's hard to slow down. Sometimes, isn't it? And like you say, you're looking for there's lots of, so much going on, and there's so many of the standard like this is what I need to I need to get this shot and this shot and this shot. Sometimes you can miss yeah the underlying kind of moments, I guess, which is what underpins a lot of the documentary style, I suppose, isn't it? A lot of the images that yeah, I enjoy sure. or look back on that my favorite ones that you know are not. Are, are very often not around the main parts of the day sort of thing yeah the, the things on the side and it honestly it's like you know that whenever we do something interesting you know if it's a, a trip or 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 um, any sort of not experience but what am i looking for the, the things that you remember most are usually like kind of the unplanned you know the things that happen on the side the weird things like the main trip the main goal that you have is not as much as interesting, I think, as like all the side things that happen along the way. You know, and that's, I mean, you know, that's sometimes when we're so goal oriented in general, sometimes we miss all that gloriousness of the, the, the things that we think are derailing, but actually make things way more interesting, like getting lost, you know, on what it is annoying at the time, but like it makes for a way better story. Like the memory is better. You know, it's the things that don't go right on a vacation that are usually more memorable. So like by wedding, like, yeah, of course, you know, they put the ring on. Duh. Yay. That's not memorable because it's, I mean, and for us, it's boring. But, I mean, maybe not boring, but like, it's not this thing that, you know, a close up of getting, I could use that close up of someone else. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> as long as the hands look similar. Uh, but yeah, it's all those little things. And those are often are little things that, you know, A, the bride and groom didn't even see, you know, so that's nice for them, but also just getting the general gist of things is very often like, you know, getting the borders, what's happening. 
Yeah, no, to- yeah, totally makes sense. What's the story with the Wild Wides? I had a look, and um, obviously they're, they're really interesting, and obviously you're getting a lot in the scene there, lots of interesting stuff going on. Is that are you shooting them super wide? Is it something you do? Is that like something you do? Yeah, for those wedding, are actually. Or? Uh, I, I I do it for weddings that I know they'll very they'll like that sort of thing. So not every wedding. It's extra work because I bring a third camera. Um, it's a fisheye, basically, that I throw through a Photoshop action that makes it look manageable. Um, and yeah, I love shooting wide. The wider the better. But you know, usually with wide angles, you have, you know, the edges just anything past twenty four, the edges already are starting to look wonky. Um, I shoot a lot with a 21, but you still got to be judicious there. Um, but this is like a 12 millimeter fisheye, which is like ridiculously wide and you get everything still looks relatively normal. So the amount of story that can be told, I, I just really enjoy that. Like the more story that can be told in one image, is just more interesting for me. Um, yeah, so I, I love shooting. It's a, it's a challenge also, because like normally you could shoot through a scene where different things happening here like you can only really get two photos of the same scene because you're covering so much that even if slightly different things are happening it's the same photo so you got to like take the best photo possible of one specific scene and move to the next it's like from each part of the wedding maybe i deliver two of those um yeah i even with my family that's probably one of my most used lenses to fish eye it's just very enjoyable for me to shoot that way and it's a challenge. I like challenges. Yeah, it's Sometimes. interesting. It's like not, yeah, it's not widely known as like, uh, certainly with weddings, as like a particularly, you know, wedding photography lens that people have in their bags. So it's it's like, but it's interesting. No, it's, usually, and it's great. It looks great. I, like, yeah. Yeah, fish eyes usually a gimmick lens. You know, it's used like this. I don't think these look like gimmicks. They're mm-hmm. just very, very wide angles that tell like a really, you know, immersive story. Yeah, no, I really enjoy them. But I'll link to it below anyway. Obviously, it's just on your website, isn't it? Under Wildwide. So, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd um, encourage people to go and have a look because, yeah, they're really interesting. Um, yeah, I'd encourage them to also. Yeah, they should, yeah. So I, I enjoy it. Really good. Are you shooting mostly digital now then? Are you still shooting sort of a It's film, almost all or? digital now. Um, I still have a few film cameras, but very rarely do they come out. At weddings, never, pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah, I miss it. But it's uh, pretty much all digital now. It's just easier. Yeah, so I mean, the cost cheaper. of film has gone insane. I don't know what it's like in America, yeah. but here recently, it's. Oh uh, no, film's yeah, expensive. It's... The cameras are more expensive now than they were ten years ago. A lot more. The developing and the scanning, it's it's a lot. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of film. You know, it's like I'm a big fan of fan, of saving money. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but I, I think everyone should shoot film. Not like I mean, at a certain stage of their photography journey i think it's very good for learning many different aspects of photography um i don't know if it's particularly better than digital in any meaningful way right now here and there maybe in certain aspects but digital has gone really good yeah we take it for granted now but and then when i started uh i think i started like 2009 which is not that long ago but that was like you know the d700 nikon and like the, the, it just, the color was great, but the dynamic range just like was not there. And that's like one of the things with film that like looks like this really nice the way the highlights fall off gracefully. And like certain, and the D700 was actually better than the previous cameras. Like if, if you look at the people who, sh- who like switched over, like probably 2005, you know, was around when like most photographers are switching. Um, 
and so many photographers work just like went like you could see when they shifted and how uh, even some really good photographers um you could like very much notice their work changing um and not only the not only the physical visual like their actual work got worse like they're actually like the way they shot um not everyone but it was noticeable for quite a few people for me how that it just and that's just a shift in mindset more than a shift in but even your editing style and like obviously with your digital files seems fairly i don't know film like is the right phrase you'd use but like i don't know how you describe it but it, yeah you're not, I'm, it's I'm, not super like crisp and digital looking and if that makes sense is that no fair? i'm film is my like film is I, i'm basically trying to get my photos to look as much like film as possible not because i think that like photos should look like film like i don't know if that's a, like a reality mm-hmm. it's just i find that for myself if i don't have like a strong baseline of what i want something to look like i start shifting into random directions like too crunchy or or too contrasty or or too colors and i just it, it's hard to notice when you're shifting it, and it, especially if you're seeing other people's work like the whole photography industry sometimes shifts or certain like portions of it shifts and you could just find yourself shifting along with them uh, which is not bad i guess um but I, I like having film as like like in my mind i know film looks good and if i could get my photos to look like that they look good maybe i mean they might not look the best possible but uh, i know that you know in 10 years from now they're not going to look off or fatty or whatever yeah it makes sense like i, I mean i love yeah i love the look of them and the feel and everything so that's but yeah it's just interesting to hear so let's switch a little bit onto your composition workshop. So um, again, I would urge people to go and have a look. It, even if you don't like, I would urge people to buy it, right? But even if you know they don't want to, just go and have a look at the page because um, it's it's hilarious. I think there's a lot of good little like <laughs> lots of random stuff on there, and it's it really enjoyable. Like as a and if you call it a landing page, but the sort of home page of that site is fantastic. So um, yeah, you. there's a lot of humor on there. There's a countdown from. Oh, I looked earlier today and it was 7,055 days. So that, will that, if that stays online, will that, will that go down to one or is it like loop or what, what's the... Uh, I, I haven't... I mean, I just set a random mm-hmm. countdown because I, I, I don't like sales. Um, I don't like how they push people, and me included, to like buy things that you would not have bought otherwise or that you're not ready for. On the other hand, I realize that they're good for some people that just can't afford something and they're waiting for like the price to drop or kind of whatever, just it's not as much a priority. Yeah. But so I decided for the workshop that it's just never going to go on set. You know, there's never going to be like, you have to buy this within the next 10 days or like, you know, or it's going to go out of stock. Like it's, it's a digital thing. It's not going to go out of stock. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. why, why would there be an arbitrary number on there besides to get people to buy it in the sense of like, they don't want to right now, but now they will because of this artificial limit. Which I, which I still get to some extent because I, I still like those limits because I'll jump on them sometimes and I'll sometimes regret it. Um, so yeah, so I added those like counters to be like, like, yeah, you got a long time to make up your mind. You can buy this whenever. I mean, it's better for me if you buy it sooner and probably better for you if you're going to learn from it. But, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I enjoy it. So yeah, people can, I'll link obviously to below, but they can go over to oncomposition.com, go and have a look at it. And um yeah, so it's so people obviously you can buy it now. It's a video course, right? So as soon as they buy it, you can just basically access the content, and it's yeah. very strongly. I think you're saying that it's not really about this is the settings to use or this is the camera to buy. It's like this is 
you know, composition basically. Right. No, it's heavy, not very right? gear oriented. I mean, I talk about gear in the sense of like how gear affects, you know, like how your choice of lens or your choice of shutter speed or your choice of aperture affects how we feel towards an image. But it's not, you know, these are the settings to use and uh, it's not a how to either. Like, I'm not telling anyone how to use their camera. There's better, there's, you know, most workshops and courses are mostly geared towards beginners just because, you know, the market is massive on the bottom. You know, and then it's like, so I, I wanted this very specifically not to be that. Um, so it's, I mean, it's not only geared for people who are doing it for a long time. I think it's for everybody. But the, the more you know photography, the more you'll get out of the course. Um, it's also mostly geared towards documentary, like composition for documentary photography. Like I'm not going through like posing or fine art or, you know, I, I don't know those fields very well. So... I, I try to talk about what I know a little bit more. Yeah, it's perfect. Which I mean, doesn't seem like that way from this podcast because I'm all over the place, but <laughs> no, I, I, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, with the composition stuff, have you always just had like an interest in composition? Then, since obviously, I know you said you weren't really paying attention to photography, obviously, before you started getting into photography. But once you'd started, did you always had it in the back of your mind that the like importance of composition, or when did that sort of properly start? I don't know when it when it really like became a thing for me. I was doing graphic design for a while before photography. So that very much helped like getting a basic sense of how things fit a frame. I don't, I don't know if I can answer that. I don't, I don't know when it became like something that I focused on. I mean, everyone focuses on it. I think, I mean, photographers, to some extent, how it became the thing I focused on, maybe because I sucked at everything else. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting. Like I, yeah, because it's, I suppose, like you say, everyone, you know, whatever you're taking a photo with, right, you're picking it up, and I guess you could say you're just taking snapshots, but at some point, as soon as you pick it up and you're intentionally photographing something, then I guess composition's playing a part, right, and you're thinking about it, yeah. whether it's, whether you know what you're doing, whether it's coming nat more naturally to you than others, like some people are generally a lot, uh, well, I think, anyway, just generally better at composing than others naturally, but there's always some forethought there, right? And it's just, I guess, yeah. knowing the rules or knowing when to break them or knowing how to use them that you can be intentional with. But um, but yeah, so I guess every photographer, like I say, has some kind of history or interest in composition. It's just, you seem to be particularly good at it. And is that like, do you think it comes naturally to you or do you think it's like you've you've been sort of studying it almost over time? You've been doing this for a while and it's, it's become a thing? Like how? It's probably good come more naturally at some level, which is probably why I gravitated towards studying it more. Maybe just because, I mean, with documentary photography in general, like you're taking photos of, you, of things happening quickly and often multiple things happening. And you're like, you're already needing to juggle those multiple things. And that, that's a big part of composition. You know, just taking photos of my family where there is always a lot going on just because it's, you know, I at one point I had four kids under the age of, so every year for three weeks, I have kids like, like right now in a few weeks, it's going to be and in a few months, sorry, it's going to be 13, 14, 15, 16. Like, so, I mean, it, it, the house was always chaotic and happening and just, it was almost like a game for me to like, try to make some sort of orderly photo out of all the, and it's, I mean, again, when you're, when you're shooting your family, it's, it's not work. It's, it's fun. It's not like, it's, it's not like working at a wedding where you're, and on, again, you're able to like 
you're able to fail as many times as you want. Like you could, you could take photos all day and not come away with one decent photo. And like, okay, so, uh, so that gave me just a lot of practice in this, of that, you know, that sort of composition that I think most people might not get as much. And you, you can get it from doing street photography because that's also chaotic. But a kids are more chaotic. You know, kids are like drunk adults, kind of. <laughs> You know, they're all over the place and who knows what's going to happen. But they also don't mind if you're there with a the camera just like waiting for this thing to unfold. Whereas street photography, it's it's hard to like, you know, you don't have that sort of time, you know, unless people, unless you're somehow really gregarious and people just love you being, you love you being there. But most people don't love having their photos taken in public for many reasons. Mm -hmm. So yeah, street photography is just harder. Like it's doable, but it's harder. Um, whereas, you know, if you have it access to like chaos all the time, you just have a lot of practice. And that's that's where actually those camp, that camp days project was. That's only from one year, but I was doing it for a while where I would just like ask my local day camp, hey, you mind me like hanging around and taking photos for a few days? Why would they mind? They get like free photos out of it. Mm -hmm. And the kids don't mind being you being there because they're kids. And again, you have all the time in the world. You're you're not being paid. So like it doesn't matter if you fail. Um so you just, you know, you really get, to, you know, or if, if you're working on something new or you're just trying to get better at what you're doing, it's a really good way to practice, you know, or, or those wedding things that you can practice at weddings. That was really off topic. But yeah, that, maybe that's why I just got more to that type of documentary. Just because it was fun. Yeah. Maybe I was trying to imagine that I had an order on the, the chaos in my life by like ordering <laughs> in a photograph. So we'll talk through the course briefing. So what? So it's it's broken down into sort of sections, right? And there's a lot of visual, like you're showing images and you're talking about kind of the composition involved in those images. Like, is that is that right? Yeah. So okay, it's broken down into like three main categories. There's a there's um, the kind of philosophical aspect, like what is composition? Why do we need it? You know, like in the real world, no one needs composition. You can walk around and no one's like dodging behind scenes to see something better. You know, you're just, the world is beautiful as it is. You don't have to, the why like photos are different, um, how we see, how our brain sees, how our eye sees. I love, I mean, that, that part endlessly fascinates me. I, I ramble quite a bit, I enjoy doing. Then the next part is like the behind the camera choices, like how your choice of focal length or aperture or shutter speed, how those affect how a story feels or our ability to tell a story. And then, you know, the I guess the bulk of it is, you know, the choices we make in organizing the world, um, how those choices affect how a story feels or how it... And then I, I, I update it periodically with more videos. Um, like I'm, do, I'm working on a series of like iPhone photography just because I know a lot of us do use that for ourselves. Mm. Um, so, and I use that a lot. I use iPhone. Yeah, it sounds great. I, what interests me is that, like, what fascinates me on a daily basis is when you think about composition, like, obviously, those of us who are studying it, say, or are purposeful with, like, say, you know, whether you weddings or family stuff or whatever it is you're doing, you know, if you're being purposeful with, with how you're composing images, everyday people are so, let's say, I go out with, you know, the next door's kids and my kids, and I take some photos and I'm trying to be purposeful with the composition. They, and they're not studying, obviously, I don't know, leading lines and rule of thirds and all this, you know, random compositional stuff. They, but for whatever, you know, it's still appealing to them when they see the images and they you know, interest them and they can see, you know, they know it's like a good composition without knowing composition, right? So that, that's always yeah. interests me because obviously, like I say, we 
as humans, I guess our brain works in a way where we we know it's a nice composition or a pleasing composition. We yeah. just don't necessarily know why. You know, obviously, if you study it, you can kind of get to understand it. But um, but yeah, so I guess couples and stuff will still appreciate it, like say, more than maybe just uh, I'm just going to run around and snap things that are happening, right? Right. No, I I think of composition a lot like grammar, you know, or composition in the sense of words. Like, you know, you read a good book, you can tell it's well written. You know, you don't have to understand like the laws of of storytelling to know that is well written. Um, and even if you do, even if you understand why, it still doesn't necessarily mean you can do it. Like you have to learn not just what the rules are, but how to do them, you know, and how to practice. A lot of it's, you know, just sheer practice, you know, the hours that you'll put into something. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of, a, a lot of um, rollover from you know, grammar and composition. Also just, you know, the, the composition of, of any combination of words, like let's say you're writing an essay, the composition is everything in the sense of like the choice of words, which everything in this essay is words, right? And their choice of words and where to put them and how to use them, those are all compositional choices. Um, and the same thing with like photography, like everything you do with a photo is composition. The light you use, you know, the aperture you set, your ISO, that's all compositional choices. The only thing that's not composition is what to shoot. You know, what are you photographing? What are you pointing your, your vision at? What what type of story are you trying to tell? Which is more important, I think, than the composition. You know, like, it, it, what you're saying is usually more important than how you say it, hopefully. Um, and that's why, like, I, I think the more important a photo is, the less it really needs good composition. Oh, it's perfect. No, I love, I love the analogy. It actually makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, perfect. What is... Um change the topic slightly we're coming to the end but what so in terms of documentary within the u.s like weddings wise is it is it a big market is it becoming more popular is it still a? I feel like in Europe. i don't know if it's just because i'm in europe or when you know, obviously in the uk and you know I, i'm surrounded by documentary focus because that's the style i have and the people i speak to but it seems less prevalent you know, when i'm looking for the documentary photographers if you like and researching people in general like it seems less considering how many photographers there are in the u.s it seems less of a popular wedding style but i might be no i I, I think you're right um and i don't know why so i i i'd love to like you know make up stuff that might be true (laughs) um definitely the uk has a very strong documentary bent to their wedding photography and even in the the documentarians in the u.s that i know which, I mean, there are a lot, obviously, you know, just with sheer numbers, you're going to have quite a few. And I'm sure there's many I don't know about. It seems like the UK often bends more towards real strict documentary. I don't want to use a strict documentary, but a certain type of documentary. Whereas uh, often the US documentarians will be often very more flowy and more abstract often. Um, more like Holgo type of work. Um, more blur, more... Um, I guess other aspects that you wouldn't necessarily automatically correlate with like a more photojournalistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still documentary, I think. Um, it's just, it's different. And I, I don't know why those differences are so pronounced. Um, it could be just who I follow. Like I don't see the vast majority of photography work, you know, but that's, that's what I, from what I see, that's, and I, it's strange, and I don't know why 
it's like that. It's also like a big Fuji following in the UK. Is that a thing? I mean, I know there's a lot in America, but it doesn't seem to be as like in, I, I feel like in the documentary UK world, Fuji has like very strong, has a strong handle there. Where in the US, it's just, I don't think there's any correlation. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I shoot Fuji, so maybe, like, maybe there is mm-hmm. something there. But yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. I think with the, it's funny because I think Fuji, when they came out with the X-Pro2, I think it was, which was the first Fuji camera I had. But they, yeah, the rangefinder style, it just seemed very popular with, um, yeah, the documentary style photographers. And they, I guess the smaller and lighter and kind of felt more discreet in a way. I don't know. But yeah, there is. There is I guess, it also, I guess, fits with the way. I mean, if... if... You know, most of the UK work I see, the documentary work is almost all stopped down. You know, there, there's not much going for that shallow depth of field book, which I, I'm always impressed with because, like, you know, shallow depth of field is a huge crutch that so many photographers rely on. I, and I do too sometimes. I think it's useful often, but it's an easy crutch to just go back to. Um, and if you don't need that, then Fuji's definitely made more sense in many ways just because, like, the whole system is so much lighter. You know, especially if you're not getting those fast lenses. You know, if you're audio lens, you know, if you have a 23 f2 or something, I mean, that's a tiny system. Though, yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah like I, I like shooting a 35 1.4 in full frame. It's just it's big. You know, mm-hmm. it's I've tried Fuji for a, had it for a few years earlier on, like at a XT2 and uh, and an X Pro 2, but didn't drive with it so much. I always want to give it another try, but not enough to actually do it. Yeah, it's fair enough. It makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, just interesting. I just like obviously with you being um, over in uh, the US, it's just interesting. I thought to uh, to talk about it because yeah, I don't, I don't. Um, I feel like obviously I know the UK market a lot more, but just that's what it seems like to me from my limited knowledge of, like, say, of kind of interacting with people from all over and stuff. But um, but yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Where's the best place for people to go and find out more about you, Zalmin, your work and I've mentioned your website, I guess, and then um, I'll link it below. And obviously, the composition workshop, um, I'll link that below as well. Um, you're relatively active on Instagram, right? I think you seem to post yeah, quite a bit on there. So, I'm more active on Facebook. Okay, I am old. <laughs> um, I like I like talking, I, in the sense of like talking with people. Um, so Instagram, I, I, I'm there's not much interaction on Instagram. You know, like it's a comment, hi, th- like oh, beautiful, thanks. You know, but I don't see much like real dialogue there. It's just not set up for that, which is fine. But like for me, like I like talking about stuff. So I just way more interested in Facebook. I post on Instagram. I just don't look at stuff much. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, Interesting, isn't it? I mean, I still, I'm still a big fan of Facebook. And I still like, you know, I'm in a lot of groups there and I still like the discussions mm-hmm. that go on in there and the, yeah, the platform itself. I just, I don't, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. But yeah, I guess it maybe is a generational yeah, thing is. as well. So, like my son... So I've got like, say, a three-year-old and a two-year-old who are, um, obviously don't have social media, but then I've got a 14-year-old and he's, yeah, he's he doesn't use Facebook at all. and doesn't even no, really yeah, use Instagram that much now. It's, you know, he's TikTok and Snapchat and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah, it's just very interesting that he uh, he has no interest in that, which is worrying for me yeah. in a sense, but just, yeah, I guess just the way of the world. But Yeah, Facebook's definitely an old person thing now, it seems like. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, relatively old. Yeah, cool. Tell uh, me, thank you so much for your time. I, like this has been you're welcome. A pleasure Thanks for me. I'm honored. Oh well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure for me. I am a massive fan of your work, and uh, yeah, it's been fun to hear a bit more about how you work. And um, 
yeah, I would urge people to go and just just have a look at your site, your work, go and have a look at the um, composition workshop. Um, yeah, there's a couple of class. People can watch a couple of things on there, right? Without before they even buy yeah, it, so yeah, they can go and watch a couple of those to give a bit of a feel for you and for the class. So, which I think is worth doing anyway. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully, I think so too. Hopefully, people jump on that. But yeah, thank you so much for your time, mate. Yeah, I appreciate it, and I will speak to you soon. Yeah, sweet. Thanks for listening to the podcast show. We hope that you did on top and go. Oh, halfway through the episode. We hope that you'll join us next time. That would be mighty fine. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.